Hi everyone, welcome to the Smallville Sessions. My name is Vivek and we're going to be doing commentary on the episode Hothead. That's episode 3. Now, if you've stuck around with us uh, through the first two episodes, uh, thank you very much. Really glad you could join us. This is an interesting episode that holds a lot of sentimental value for me personally. I wasn't really someone who tuned into Smallville right from the beginning. I had seen the ad and I could kind of sense it might have something to do with Superman, but I didn't see a costume, I didn't see flying, so I really wasn't interested. Then I happened to graze through the different channels and I saw a scene where Clark, well as I came to know him as Clark, uh, was protecting someone who I came to know as Chloe in from flames and I was like wow this is interesting I guess this was that kind of Superman related show that WB was promoting and I kind of got sucked into this episode and because of this episode I then went back and watched the previous um, about previous two at this point the pilot and then the second episode that we just went over metamorphosis and then I kind of was hooked from that point on and I watched the rest of the season. I bought the box set, the season one DVD, and that was basically my summer of 2002. I, I spent the entire summer going through the season one box set of Smallville. And then the season finale of Smallville came around on that first season and it was time for the season two premiere. So I'm, I'm very much indebted to this episode uh, because it really made me a fan, I, I guess you could say that. It, it really did what it needed to do to get me hooked in, even though at first I wasn't giving the show the time of day. Now, this episode, uh, I, I know I've been giving these commentary episodes and it's hard to tell when I'm stopping, when I'm starting. I don't think it perfectly syncs up with the episode. But I'll try to make sure we do try to sync up the episode. I'm a little cautious that I don't want to spend too much time just watching the episode and have a lot of dead air. Uh, but I, I'm going to be mindful that someone might be kind of watching this episode while listening, listening to me talk and provide commentary. So I want it to definitely align with that. So let's uh, start this episode. I'm going to hit play on my DVD. And, um, okay, so we start out um, a kind of uh, sort of football stadium scene. Uh, it's a high school football match. Now, we haven't really been exposed to too much football stuff. Just really Clark wanting to be on the football team and the fact that Whitney's actually a main player on the, on the football team. So um, right now you're getting, getting a bit of a slow motion kind of uh, scene where it looks like Clark, but it's, it's a player who's kind of just been tackled and uh, the coach is kind of flipping out. He's really upset, but it's actually not Clark, it's Whitney um, that the coach is really yelling at. Um, I think this was before, a few years before that scandal of that basketball coach. I think it's Bobby Knight, 
or someone like that that was really verbally abusing and to some extent physically abusing his players so um, but I, I'm sure that sort of stuff was going on way before that scandal and way after so it's playing on a theme which is a pretty aggressive coach really wants to win and he's trying to shake some sense into his players Rain's really coming down hard in this scene. It's like Friday Night Lights. But yeah, we get we get a nice touchdown, and everyone's cheering. I c those I know this is a small town, Smallville, but those cheerleaders are not are wearing sweaters. I I don't think I've seen sweaters on cheerleaders since the nineteen fifties, like shows and movies showing cheerleaders and that time period. Um, this coach is really amped up. You see Pete there. So this wasn't like a dream sequence. I thought it might have been a dream sequence, but it seems like a real match. And you got Whitney on the team and you got Pete. Don't have Clark on the team yet. This is sort of pre-credits scene. And usually this is when they sort of establish okay the villain or, or bad guy of this episode he's gonna get powers somehow and there, there it is so this coach is kicking back relaxing in a sauna and he takes water and he, he kind of douses them over these coals but these coals are kryptonite infused so you see, know that because of the kind of green smoke kind of coming off of them and uh, kind of like a sort of fight club-esque computer graphic scene where it kind of digs in closer and you can see okay there's there's definitely green meteorite influence here now we have a uh, principal Quan making his first appearance on Smallville uh, talking to the coach about a cheating scandal again not something completely new to the sports scene and to the football scene football players cheating on tests so they're really kind of pulling from the headlines I guess in a bit here I really think it's an interesting choice to make Principal Kwan Asian uh, maybe it wasn't a choice specific choice maybe the actor was just great I, I will say that at this point Smallville has a pretty diverse cast you know it's got Pete who in the comics was an African American in Smallville he definitely is then he's then you got Lana who's half uh, Asian and half German. I don't know if she's half Chinese um, or I know Kristen Kruk. That's her origin. I don't know if they really established that her parents um, maybe were of different ethnicities and all that. But I guess you got to give kudos to the Smallville casting crew here for making it a bit more diverse. There we go, we get to see the coach lash out as Principal Quan leaves and he creates fire. Um, he, he just slams down his arm on the desk and he's got fire coming out of, I guess it just comes out of wherever he thinks about it coming out of. <laughs> um, this would be the show's 
you know, first foray into a superpower that's origin is based around flames, we will get sort of heat vision in season two. And the interesting thing about heat vision on Smallville, it does have its origins in fire. You get the sense that it's a very violent heat. So it's almost like flames coming out of Clark's eyes. I hope I'm not spoiling too much there, but I, I, I think I think everyone will be okay there. Kind of me speaking to that earlier stuff. Alright, so now we're getting yeah, the headlines, the newspapers. Chloe's kind of done a bit of a scandal on how coaches are being the coach is being very aggressive and Pete's being a bit defensive because this is his coach and Chloe's written an expose on how kind of abusive he is so Pete's taking it a bit personally but in a, in a way Pete's not too kind of muffled by it because he assumes that um uh, you know, most of his football teammates aren't reading it. So, for the first time, we got Clark looking at Lana and Whitney and them not kissing. This time, they're arguing. So, maybe there's an opening there, is what Clark's probably thinking. Wow. So... <laughs> This football player is really annoyed with Chloe taking pictures on her early 2000 digital camera and uh, Clark steps in and he, he catches the football before it nails, nails Chloe in the face and he chucks it back at the football player and you know with speed kind of with his powers his arm behind it and the coach notices and it's like wow you've got a great strong arm we know that Clark wanted to, he was interested in joining the football team in the pilot episode. He was trying to get his dad to fill out the application form, but it didn't happen. And I think the coach even understands that Jonathan Kent doesn't want Clark playing. So it's it's one of those things where, you know, he's, he's doing whatever he can to maybe try to get Clark on the team. saying all the right things to get Clark amped up. Yeah, that's your father's trophies in that trophy case. Don't you want to be in there? I will say, like, even though this is Clark in high school, they really nailed down this sort of mild demeanor Clark has. He's, he's very, you know, well-mannered, they don't try to characterize him as like a bit of a wild child. It's just like, you know, he's raised well by his parents and he, he, he's soft-spoken and, you know, that's a good thing that they put in because he'll need to t really turn up that mild-mannered persona to the nth degree when he becomes full-blown Clark Kent kind of, Clark Kent Superman dichotomy type thing.
So Clark has agreed to kind of join the football team, even though his dad really hasn't given his blessing. So Pete's relishing that. He thinks there's going to be a problem. So we get to understand why Lana's really upset. It's because she's found out that the football team has cheated on their tests. It, it's, the, it's the story that Principal Kwan was touching on earlier, and now it's kind of been more and more kind of publicized that this is what the football players are doing. They were cheating on their tests. And Lana's not down with that. Again, she was very sweet and innocent and naive at this point. Um, Jonathan kind of getting to talk to Clark letting him kind of know you know I'm sure you got that speech from uh, the coach Coach Walt I believe and that's just his line to try to get you to sign up but I still have reservations about this This, these sorts of conversations between Clark and Jonathan, they really lend to the, the realism that they were trying to go with at this point on this show, which is what would be the sort of things that a young teenage Clark Kent would want to do, and what would be the concerns coming from that. say the most rebellious Clark gets is with his own parents. I think he feels a little bit more freer, a bit more honest to um, lash out at them. And he does, he takes a stand here. He's like, look, I'm playing. Deal with it. Uh, well, we've got Lex in the mansion now. I gotta say, they they really have established here sort of how much of a sort of free thinking, comfortable, uh, confident character Lex is. He's um, having to um, deal with his dad's lackeys who are saying that Lex Corp isn't performing well in Smallville and then he's going to make have, have to make cutbacks and things like that but Lex is kind of going against it and he's he's saying no I'm not going to cut back I'm I'm going to expand I'm I'm going to increase productivity and and really you know step it up So now we get a little bit more insight about Lionel Luthor and what what his impulses and motives were was to sending Lex to Smallville. From Lex's perspective, it's he didn't want me around because him and I butt heads and he likes to have yes men around him. And uh, <laughs> so this is uh, so Dominic's annoyed. He's storming off, but Lex is like, "Say hi to your sister for me." That's a pretty boss move. 
get uh, Aunt Nell here um, a bit. She's um, she's kind of Lana's surrogate mother, and but she's she's you know always she's probably one of the cooler parents because I guess she doesn't feel much of a responsibility to say too much to Lana because or parent too much because. You know, she is. She did go through such a traumatic incident, so she's just kind of like a guardian. She's not trying to overparent. She's kind of more like an older sister to Lana. So here we get to see Lana kind of interested in putting cheerleading behind her. I think the 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 sort of scandal with the football players cheating kind of put things in perspective for her where she's a cheerleader cheering on these guys who are cheating on their tests so she's look it's it's kind of changed her perspective there and she's not quite so interested in continuing cheerleading right at the time when clock's just getting to get started on the football field and he's hoping to see Lana he's finally on the football team so he's hoping to get a glance at her but it's it's uh, it's funny. Just as Clark starts his high school football career, Lana ends her her cheerleading career. Let's see. Clark confront his dad. His dad's there watching the team and making sure Clark doesn't hurt anyone. A little bit of a contentious showdown. But you do get to see Clark is ready to hold back. Um, he wants to use his powers, but you can't do it in a way where it's basically like cheating. So, here we go. Clark's just been tackled to the ground. Now, it seems like he's he's ready for it. He's ready to get you know, he knows that the players are coming after him, but he's just tackling right through them, as you would if you had insane superpowers that you could turn on and off. <laughs> and you get to see him sprint forward and have his moment in the sun, really showboat. Jonathan Kent doesn't approve, he's stormed off, but, you know, Clark definitely did have a moment to show that he has a lot of potential if he were on the football team. So we got this scene here with Principal Kwan again giving the coach more grief that his players are cheating and the coach gets to lash out. Lash out in a way where his powers are exposed and you know now he gets to see Principal Kwan storming off and he's just fuming. He's just, I mean, this is a, a really contentious relationship between the coach and the principal. And the coach is now getting to see the limits of his powers and control them. So he's essentially using his mind to set Principal Kwan's car on fire, which, which is not good.
that Clark and Pete happen to come out at the same time when coaches set Principal Quan's car on fire. So Clark gets to save Principal Quan. That is a pretty dramatic rescue. Uh, he was able to rip the car door off, pull Principal Quan out, and kind of bring him to safety as the car exploded behind him. Lucky for Clark, Principal Quan was kind of unconscious while he was in the car, so he didn't he didn't get to Principal Quan didn't get to see Clark rip the car door off. It's just the smoke inhalation that got him incapacitated for a bit. And now Clark's kind of assuring his parents, look, no one saw me. You know, I I had to save him. Now they're getting back to the topic about, you know, should Clark have played football? He could have hurt someone. They're both pretty stubborn, both Clark and Jonathan, and they really hold on to their viewpoints and kind of debate a lot back and forth. <sighs> Poor Martha Kent, she's kind of right in the middle playing peacekeeper. She's kind of reminding Jonathan, look, you were a rebellious kid. You really wanted to play football. You even, you know, went off to try to play for the Metropolis Sharks, which Metropolis being something that Jonathan can run away to um, kind of gives hints of like Metropolis's proximity to Smallville, which what they establish is Smallville is essentially a suburb of Metropolis. And again, we kind of get a bit of repetition here where Jonathan continues to say, look, I don't want anyone to take Clark away from us. I'm being overprotective. These are still pretty early episodes, so they kind of consci consciously and consistently need to reestablish the premise, the characters, things, things like that. So Chloe's giving Clark Greek back during the football team, and she's like, I'll be a cheerleader now. And Lana's like, well, I'm not, so there's a spot open. And uh, she's now kind of a waitress here. I don't know if this ended up being the actual set of the Talon in its initial form. I think what they did was they remodeled this set. But the Talon would become quite the sort of mainstay for the show and where the characters would hang out. And um, so it's a great location. It kind of became like the central perk was for Friends. I really like these scenes where Clark and Lana aren't talking about dead parents or trust issues or anything like that. They, they're just getting to flirt and interact with each other. Uh, there's nothing too flirty. It's just that these are both very good looking people and... Um, they, they've got just a natural chemistry and they're getting to, you know, just 
be comfortable around each other. Lana's not wearing the kryptonite necklace, so Clark doesn't have to worry that he's going to turn into a bag of mush or become, you know, fall fall down on his knees or anything like that. They're just two platonic friends right now who are getting to smile at each other and be comfortable around one another, which is which is pretty great. Also in this scene, we're getting to see Chloe and Pete kind of hanging out, uh, watching uh, the football players kind of get summoned for some reason. Um, it looks like it's something the coach wants to speak with all of them. And for Chloe, Pete is sort of the insight into the mechanics of the football team and how they operate. So she kind of gives him a little stick for being kind of like a meathead jock, but she kind of needs him in this instance for trying to figure out more about what's going on with this coaching story about this cheating scandal and things like that. So Chloe's going to go investigate <laughs> and we just see Lana drop her drinks that she's kind of taking around, um, you know, giving, serving. Nice, funny moment there. She is an early waitress. Okay, so now in this next scene, we get to see our coach really lambasting the players and trying to figure out who told the principal that he's been giving them test answers. And, you know, he's just... he He's being aggressive as he usually is to these guys. And, oh, he just backhanded one of the players. And that created, like, flames, like, so he, you know, as we established, he has this superpower where he's able to create flames and the sprinklers that were on behind him basically ignited as he went into like a violent rage. It's, it's interesting to note that the kid that he backhanded, um, one of the players, he's actually someone who turns up in Man of Steel. He ends up being one of the soldiers who actually names, um, the sort of flying alien as being Superman. And we just saw Alison Mack or Chloe get some video footage of that, pictures. So now we get a quick establishing shot of the Luther mansion. We get to see Lionel Luthor storming into Lex's office. He's not happy that Lex is following a sort of protocol of expanding Luther Corp versus contracting Luther Corp and firing people. So, you know, Lex is like, I told Dominic I was going to do this, your drone, as he endearingly calls Lionel's lackey. And, uh, but Lionel's not happy. He's, he's got a problem with Lex operating too independently. And it's, it's a tricky thing because Lex has been put into this sort of Smallville factory, this subsidiary of LexCorp, but he's not being allowed to operate completely independently. So he's got kind of the worst of both worlds in that fact. And then Lionel is also trying to justify how he's directing Lex by kind of referring to history and Caesar and, you know, that the decision to send Lex out is kind of, he's kind of putting that through the context of history. Like great men have always sent their sons out to the, the ends of the earth to represent the larger empire. Lex is not having it. He's not super thrilled um, to hear what Lionel has to say on this. And he's a little irritated 
that he's being directed this way. So when Lionel kind of um, puts a wager that like if 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 I win this fencing fight, then you have to cut twenty percent of your workforce. If you win, then that won't have to happen. Lex sort of takes him up on it, and. Lionel Luther and Lex Luther go toe to toe in a fencing match, father versus son. Doesn't get more Shakespearean than that. <laughs> this was such a great dynamic that they set up between Lionel and Lex, and Michael Rosenbaum and John Glover portrayed this like really perfectly. The acting was just really pitch perfect right from the beginning of these episodes, and they just continued to add more depth to these relation to this relationship as time went on and more and more episodes got clocked in. So Lionel essentially won this fencing match. Even though he's older, he's still pretty spry and he was able to show who the boss still is to Lex and you know, he's now demanded that the first order of business is that Lex cuts some of his workforce. Which is obviously not going to make Lex look good. He's already being seen as sort of the outsider coming in with his, you know, to manage this corporation. And for his first piece of business here, main business, is to cut the workforce. It's not going to make him very popular in this city. And uh, to that extent, Lex Corp does have a history in Smallville. And they had swindled people out of their land. So it's just kind of history repeating themselves itself yeah it's um here we get to see martha and clark kind of talk about you know him continuing to play football and what that's done to how jonathan feels about it again just really great sort of foundation setting that can you know, make all the difference for a show like this. It's uh, it's not just about Clark's path to becoming Superman. It's about spending time in Smallville. And as I said, in the beginning, there was a lot of this sort of introduction of like kind of... I won't say they're one-dimensional villains. There were some one-dimensional ones, but they're... Um, they're, they're, they're some interesting villains, but they're not so interesting to warrant being a show... Or being something that a lot of different types of demographics tune into. What made it a popular show were these characters and these relationships. So they really spent a lot of time when kind of between Clark and Jonathan, Clark and Martha, Clark and his friends. They did all of that. So, um, you know, these early episodes were really great in kind of getting to see how they were able to orchestrate and construct that just seeing a scene where um, the coach has really threatened one of his players who looks like he's been gabbing to Chloe Sullivan about the craziness that uh, the coach has been doing so now the coach is literally going after Chloe he's just basically set her entire desk and her office on fire uh these are sort of digital fire effects, but they're not too bad. And it seems like they've made them consistent because the outside kind of fire effect for the sort of bonfire and the fire effect going inside the office is pretty similar. So now we get to see Clark have to save one of his friends. 
Chloe ha- is now in a burning office. Uh, she's trying to protect herself. Oh, wow, that's that's pretty acrobatic. She's just run through and you know, kind of just gone through fire. But it's it's like she's getting trapped. It's like the fire has has a mind of its own because it does. It's being controlled by the coach. He's he's basically manipulating the fire so that Chloe gets trapped. But then Clark speeds in and the coach loses his concentration. And the fire sort of subsides. I'm going to say, um, this was the scene that I first saw of Smallville uh, on TV. And I was like hooked when I saw this scene. And I was like, okay, well they are going to show Clark saving people. Uh, this is going to be a bit of Superman in on a TV show. That, so I kind of decided to gave, give it the full full college try if you will and um, revisit this show in a big way when at first I'd written it off uh, so um, it's, a, it's, it's a pretty great sequence this, this save of um, you know Clark just coming out of nowhere protecting Chloe and now Chloe's is having to explain to Clark look it's it's the coach who's creating this fire, manipulating it, and my evidence has been burnt in this office. So um, they're linking the fires to the coach, and because of that, Clark is going to have to investigate further. All right, now we have a scene with Lana and Lex again. Really, kind of fun dialogue here. Um, Lex kind of noticing that Lana's a waitress now, and you know, just a little. You get the sense that Lex is the elder statesman in this sort of friends group. <laughs> okay, now Clark enters the scene. He's kind of saying hi to Lana again, and both having to deal with the fact that. She's not going to be a cheerleader while he becomes a football player. And, um, you know, it's kind of establishing stuff that was in the previous scene. But just just a good good opportunity to get all three of these characters together. Kind of Lana exits the scene. And then we have Clark and Luther, Lex Luther, bonding a bit about how their dads can, you know, dominate dominate their lives a bit, make things problematic and uncomfortable. So scenes like this really show why Clark and Lex became friends. The conceit of the show is that they're friends before they're enemies, but by having them communicate and relate to one another, you can really kind of sense where there are similarities between these two guys and in a way, you can also see how the nature versus nurture argument kind of plays out. Lex is being raised in a more intense environment than Clark. The way Lionel nurtures Lex is far more cruel and cunning in a way than Jonathan approaches it. But there's enough then there to bond them. So that's, that's, that's a pretty important thing to do and they do it well. So we get Clark visiting uh, this the student who kind of was speaking to Chloe, 
and um, you know, this this is this is an actor I think that has has worked a lot on a lot of different Canadian-based TV shows, and he just as I mentioned, he's he's kind of been in Man of Steel, but I haven't I haven't seen him in any other films. I'm sure Zack Snyder saw that this guy had a little stint on Smallville. I was like, it'll be a little cool nod to put him in the movie. Another area where Man of Steel kind of still kind of keeps the Smallville connection alive is uh, there's a auto dealership called Sullivan Auto Dealership, which is kind of a nod to Chloe Sullivan. And then additionally, there's um, a character who is sort of Emile Hamilton's assistant. And the assistant was played by the same actor who played Emile Hamilton on Smallville. So we just saw a scene where Clark was able to see that this coach has abused this player in a way. And, uh, you know, he caused burn marks on this kid's arm. So Clark doesn't like it and he's literally going to, you know, face off against the coach. And, um, you know, talk to the coach about how he's, you know, out of line, how he's just, you know, you know, the, this, the coach is the freak of the week here, so you need that confrontation. But, it's, again, it's always inventive how they were inco- able to incorporate kryptonite in a way so that it felt natural, but, you, you know, you were going to have Clark go up against it pretty frequently so that you could keep it on a level playing field. Here, the coach was in a sauna, and one of the rocks in the sauna are, you know, kind of kryptonite rocks. So he's able to lock Clark in the sauna, which isn't too comfortable for him. I don't know, that's that's some pretty dodgy acting from Tom Welling there a little bit. I, I don't think they clearly established, like, how lethal kryptonite is for him or you know so he he just looks mildly wheezy at the you know and we got kind of the Kents coming to the football game Jonathan's there begrudgingly but he's also there to kind of support and then uh, we're also Getting to see, you know, the kind of sort of Smallville Stadium with, you know, more extras and things like that. I don't know. I do feel like the during the first season, they were able to utilize a lot more locations, get in a lot more extras, probably because their budgets were better funded. But um, actually, this stadium doesn't seem super full for a football game. I don't know. It just seems like they've they've blocked off a little area where they shoot the scene, and that's where people are. But it doesn't seem like the entire stadium is completely full. This is the coach from hell. He's just what a bad guy. <laughs> that's no no other way to. He's he's just a complete. I don't know. He's he's got rage anger problem, and they don't really. You know, 
have anything redeeming about him. Like you don't want Clark to like kind of show him the way. You want just Clark to punch him and punch his head in or something. You know. Okay, so now Clark's back in the sauna. He's like throwing meteor rocks, trying to. You know, he's getting all his effort to try to throw a meteor rock through the glass so that he can he can get someone's attention. Luckily for him, it's Jonathan who gets the attention. Otherwise, if it was someone else, they'd be like, why is a sauna with a little green tint causing you so much trouble? I'm sure he would have been able to come up with a story. So now the coach has not only gone after Clark, but he, he bashed Jonathan Kent in from behind uh, to try to attack them both. But now Clark has his super strength. He's out of out of the woods a little bit. He's back to speed, so he's able to protect Jonathan a little bit. I do love these 90s shows, and it's not... Excuse me, it's not a 90s show, it's an early 2000s show. And, you know, they'd have action sequences where they'd have to have Clark pushed back. So, like, um, not Clark pushed back, they'd have the coach kind of kicked back. So, uh, they'd have to do it in slow motion, but that doesn't age very well. And I gotta say, it didn't age pretty well for just Clark run, walking through the fire. Uh, it just looks like Tom Welling walking, you know, in front of some green screen. But fire effects are interesting. It's, you know, they obviously can't shoot a lot of it on set because it's too dangerous. And I think around this time and, you know, for a lot of time, a lot of special effects houses think that they can convincingly do fire. But usually what they end up doing is they just have lighting effects that are super bright and... They're so supposed to like animate like a fire, but you can tell, you can tell when the fire is fake. So Lex has outsmarted Lionel. He's figured out a way to not have to cut his staff, but Lionel, he's he's mad that Lex was able to outsmart him. Uh, I think Lionel probably thought he'd, he'd, you know, settled this, especially by winning the fencing match. But uh, a lot of piercing looks back at one another. You know, you do get the sense that Lex is Lionel Luther's son. Again, like, I don't think they really established what happened to the coach here. It's just, it's kind of knocked unconscious. And that's the end of that. But it's good that, you know, here they get to reconcile Lionel. And not Lionel, but Jonathan and Clark. Um, you know, good father-son moment. This is one of my favorite scenes um, from season one. Uh, field, Bond Moore, you know, talk about how terrible of a waitress Lana is. And they're really able to tap into the sort of 
you know, struggles you have as a teenager, how you're just trying to figure things out and, you know, figure out who you are. And then at certain points, you're you're accepting that. You're accepting you haven't figured out who you are. You're just trying to do the best you can with the information that you have. So they're able to just be partners in that struggle, kind of embrace their awkwardness, embrace their, you know, this crossroads place that they're in right now. And if I remember correctly, in this scene, they just, they just, uh, feel like screaming and they they do they both um they both decide to scream at the top of their lungs in the middle of the field you know and um they go for it i'm just enjoying this scene it's fun Yeah, and then we get the credits there. Pretty solid episode. As again, I, I have a lot of nostalgic sentimental episode, sentimental value for this episode because it's the one that really kind of got me on board on Smallville and made me confident that it's a show that I could get into. So, uh, yeah, that, that was our... That was our breakdown of... Episode 3, Hothead. Um, really glad you all could uh, join me if you've managed to stay till the very end. Thanks very much for that. Um, we are on Apple iTunes now, so please subscribe and review our podcast. Um, we are, you know, on Twitter at Smallville Pod. So you can search Smallville Sessions and subscribe to us on iTunes and you can also follow us on Smallville Pod. Please send me any questions or comments on uh, at this. Uh, um, the email for that is smallvillesessions at gmail .com. I know this episode's been released a bit late. Um, life got in the middle of the way, so I it seemed like I was on a pretty frequent path of releasing these episodes, and I'd like to get back onto that because we have a lot of episodes to cover. Um, I think this episode, it you know, was a it really helped the show kind of get into its groove, the structure of what to expect. Next episode will be X-ray, which um, we get an introduction of a new power. So that's an exciting one, and um, we'll talk to you then. Have a great week. <laughs>